Welcome to Community Decoded, the ultimate podcast series for founders, VCs, and builders who master the art of community building. This podcast is brought to you by Threado, a community management platform that lets you drive more engagement, identify brand champions, and scale a thriving community with automated workflows and personalized messages. We're so proud to say that we serve fast-growing community-led startups like Notion, Mixpanel, Triple Whale, and more. What are you waiting for? Hit threader.com and up your community game. Now, let's talk about this podcast. Join us as we dive deep into the world of community building with some of the biggest names in the industry. Let's decode what it takes to build a thriving community. What's up, what's up, uh, community builders? Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Sharath, and today I'm back with yet another episode of Community Decoded Podcast. Today I have uh, Director of Community at Sauce Labs, Jason Baum. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Thanks so much for having me. I feel uh, feel great today. How's, how's the weather in New Jersey? Oh, the weather in New Jersey is I can see the sky again. Oh, <laughs> the, man. The, Clouds are clouds are out, which is a, a wonderful sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sorry for for the whole uh, Canada mishap. I think Canada screwed the whole East Coast, I guess, in a way. And... Yeah, as my daughter said, I can see birds. <laughs> <laughs> I it, it's so strange the things that like you normally are just so used to seeing, and then when it disappeared, you couldn't see in front of your like face, let alone, you know, the sky, it just kind of disappeared. And we were basically right. calling it looks like Mars smells like cigars for the past <laughs> few days. That's a great tweet, by the way. Uh, but I don't know if it's relevant as of now. But uh, no, that's great to hear. Good that weather's back so that you can, you know, have a pleasant full summer in Jersey and New York. But uh, for folks who are listening, let me give you guys like a brief intro of Jason. Jason is the director of community at Sauce Labs, and he previously worked at DevOps Institute in, in as part of the community building there. Uh, and he's like just like me; he's also like a podcaster. So I feel so comfortable talking to you, Jason, because I don't have to like you know hide anything. We we podcasters we know how these things go. So I hope this this becomes more of like a rally. And you, you, you did one show on the AI uh, theme and you're doing one for, I think, uh, Sauce Labs and whatnot. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. And fun fact about Jason, he worked at a TV network before and he's a voice actor. So <laughs> I want to know, like, where did your voice ended up in which movies or which shows and whatnot? But yeah, that's, that's a brief intro of Jason. I'm excited to dive into the conversation. I feel... I feel probably you're, the, you're one of the first few guests we invited to talk about uh, predominantly about dev communities, which I'm excited to unpack, uncover. But yeah, right off the bat, talk to me about Sauce Labs. What do you guys do and explain like briefly about you know uh, the whole platform and the community you're building there? Yeah, sure. I mean, Sauce Labs itself is a very complex product, but I can simply sum it up by saying that we're um, in... in Think of uh, DevOps or software release. Uh, you know, it used to be that you would, and, and in some cases, some companies still do this. Either you release on certain cadences, so you go through your sprints and then you test. Um, but over time, you know, the theory and DevOps um, theory says that if you are testing at every stage, 
that you can have continuous integration, continuous delivery, and and release great products at a faster speed. And, mm -hmm. and so continuous testing came out of that. And so Sauce Labs is a platform that allows you to do testing for whatever phase you're in. Um, we have all different types of testing, whether it's cross-browser testing um, uh, for uh, automating your testing, manual testing, you name mm -hmm. it, you could test your product with us. We do mobile testing. Mm -hmm. We even do vision, uh, video, uh, visual testing. We, we do it all. So that's mm -hmm. what Sauce Labs is in a nutshell. Um, mm -hmm. And then the community itself, uh, you know, we, we are, we don't, considers ourselves to have our own community, like the Sauce Labs community. What we are is really tapping into a community of testers that is a thriving community. It's a big community of whether it's QA, SDETs, or developers um, who are actively engaged in testing on a day-to-day -day basis for their companies. And therefore, they're very interested in, in open source projects like the Selenium project, Appium project, WebDriver.io that mm. help to make the process uh, easier, smoother, faster. I love that. I think, yeah, so these dev tools, they always are complex, at least for people like me who doesn't really get uh, the whole coding side and whatnot. But I feel you guys bring a lot of ton of value for for the, for the folks who code and you know make things easy for them uh one thing i really found interesting on sauce labs website but when i go to when i went to your community page you said you are a community of finders and fixers i love yeah. that i love it so much <laughs> i might steal it and probably like use it somewhere it's so uh it's so well defined right the the whole fixers which are like testers you know, and even the finders, they, they they kind of try to find the bugs and whatnot and bring the make the product better. So uh, I love that. And I love the fact that you're not only like, you know, building a community for your customers, but just in general, lifting the whole testing industry. So curious question, how did you start? What was like the inception of uh, Sauce Labs, the community you're building? Yeah, it's an interesting project because I came in um, in in a, in this phase or time of Sauce Labs where there was no community function. Mm. Um, the community team was really part of our tech docs team. The team right. sort of split, and there was this like waiting period. I, I don't really know how to describe it except to say that it needed someone to come in and charge the program forward really. And I started at Sauce Labs because it was because of its open source roots. So Sauce Labs was born from the open source project from the um, mm -hmm. open source Selenium project. Mm -hmm. um, and our, our co-founder founded the Selenium project, founded Appium. And that to me was really inspiring because I, a, I had never worked for um, an open source project project mm -hmm. like that. Uh, I never was able to really, I haven't, this is like one area of community that I haven't had a chance to really dive into deeper. Um, I was sort of in ed tech at DevOps Institute, knew a lot of developers, was mm -hmm. becoming very familiar with DevOps principles, mm -hmm. but I just wasn't on that other side of, of it, you know, from mm -hmm. a, from a product standpoint. So this was really cool, a cool opportunity. When I got here, I, I realized Sauce Labs was really good 
at talking to enterprise companies. Mm. What Sauce Labs was not doing a, a great enough job of was talking to the practitioners themselves. Mm. And so that, that was, yeah. And that was what I saw a huge opportunity to get back to our roots because that's mm. what we were known for. And, and so the first step that finders and fixers, I'm so glad that you kind of honed in on that because that was our first challenge, right? When you, when you start a community, because really we were starting our approach to community from scratch. And, yeah. and the first thing you got to do is who, who is this community? Who, who are the members going to be, right? I mean, this Absolutely. community building 101, who are they? What are their problems? Or what are their hopes, their dreams, their inspirations, their aspirations, you know, all these, their, what keeps them up at night, all those things we needed to find out. And then we needed to create content that would deliver that value to them. And mm. as long as we fit that, you know, those three things, I felt mm. like we would be successful. And we just kind of accelerated, accelerated, accelerated to what took off. And that mm. finders and fixers came out of like one of our first meetings together as a team where mm. I was basically like, Okay, we, who who are our members? And we were like wrote down all these QAs, SDETs, right. developers. You, you know what I mean? You, you traditional testers, non traditionals. I mean, you could go on and on for right. who is testing, right? And that's an area of, uh, of that was a a good thing and a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And with the shift left movement, um, so many people were being left out. Um, you know. QAs are being unemployed. That's not really an interest for companies anymore. Um, more was being put on SDETs and developers to test. And they didn't really have that experience. They could write the code. They couldn't write the test. And so there's this skill gap. And so that's why we're just like, we're not going to call them by their title. We're going to call them by their functionality. Are you finding and are you fixing? You belong. And as simple as that. Right. I love that because I think the uh, there is a clear intention, right? Like whenever, whoever, if I'm a tester and I find it fascinating to see the fact that you're bringing a bunch of people who do justice to their job, right? And it's not tied to your role. You're basically like more than bigger than your role. I think that bigger than your persona is what I felt like, okay, this is so cool. I, I don't know if you named your community finders and fixers, but you should like, we should. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically instead of branding sauce labs community, which is, I think, you know, pretty, uh, just, just my two cents. Now that we're kind of uh, getting into <laughs> brainstorming, but I would, I would go ahead and fire and buy finders and fixers.com like straight away. That's a great like, idea. Yeah. Yeah. Especially right? after like, this podcast comes out. <laughs> exactly. So that you, you, you kind of brand in with that, you know, persona. And I love that. You know what we ended up uh, naming the community, but now, you know, and, and it's funny because none of us on the community team actually like the name, <laughs> but what actually happened was we, we decided to put it out to the uh, community and build the community with the community itself. Right. And so we put out a bunch of names and we did some fun internal naming things and then we did it right. externally. And it was like, one of my favorite ones was like, my sauce brings all the boys to the yard or like some other stuff that was really funny that of course we're like, okay, well, we're not going to name the community that, but, um, right. and it, it ended up becoming sauce squad, uh, oh. became the name. And there's, there's some conflict here because some of us are like, 
we absolutely hate that name. But <laughs> I, I'm thinking maybe we might need to do a renaming uh, uh, poll also, or something like that. What is good? I think it goes good on a t-shirt, right? <laughs> it does. And it I does. am very much about my t-shirts and swag. So Right, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes a good swag for sure. Community sure. is all about like, you know, uh, swag, at least majority percentage of you know, interacting with people. But mm-hmm. so you, you did mention... Uh, about your co-founder building products for certain people like developers, testers, and whatnot. It's such a vast uh, industry, like QA as in general, right? There is, like you said, typical traditional industry. I used to work at corporate companies where we had probably 300 testers mm-hmm. for for a single project. It's 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 a big industry. If there is a comparison between number of testers versus number of developers in a team, testers will all the time. And how did you uh, really cover that much of a ground? Is that was that like your what moves did you made when you launched this community? Because it's not a customer based community, like you said, Sauslops enterprise customers are not part of it. Probably part of it, but. How did you manage such, you know, handling such a big thing? And what was your uh, moves? Okay, come comms or is there a landing page or what? What? How did you approach them? That's a it's a good question. And you know, one of the first things that I said was, "Boy, we could really boil the ocean with mm. this." And mm. I think that's a problem that many, many, many people in community find themselves in, where it's like we have so many ideas and dreams and plans for how we want to grow and build the community that we're not like focused on. Let's do little things. Let's, you know, the minimal viable communities. Let's, let's try things out. Let's do some in-person events. Let's partner. Um, so what we did was the first thing, um, was that we focused on content Mm. because content in long form, short form, we went by slash data reports and we we're like, okay, slash data is saying, you know, Twitch is becoming more and more and more popular as long form mm. content for de- um, developer education, mm. uh, LinkedIn, certainly, and Twitter. And that's where we focused quite a bit of our content and, and YouTube. Mm. And we developed a couple of shows and that was really our first, um, first way of kind of expanding our reach so that we mm-hmm. could reach more people outside of just who made up our customer base, because while our customer base is fantastic and we do need to engage them more, um, mm. I was really looking at the opportunity that we had to get our name out there and position ourselves a bit differently. Talking mm. about how Sauce Labs is today, rather than maybe what some people think of Sauce Labs or thought of Sauce Labs for the past maybe like five years or so. Mm. Um, and also just talking about these basic principles that the community was begging for. So many people were begging for educational content. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I focused our dev advocates on was just content, content, content. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we, we have a, a, we had a Twitch stream. um, We had a a YouTube show called uh, test, uh, test automation experience. We have a podcast called tech, uh, test case scenario. And, um, you know, that's where so much of our, our time was spent. 
And then in addition to that, we started up something called the fellowship program, the open source fellowship program. And for the open source fellowship program, we brought in five fellows who um, we wanted to make sure that we were covering um, all of our bases and something that's really passionate about for all of our team is diversity and inclusion in open source. And so we made sure that we had a diverse group of fellows and they spent their time working on a project that we had um, taken on three years ago and didn't really do much with called Elemental Selenium. Mm. And basically what that is, is just more of like you sign up and you get a Selenium tip in your inbox Mm. Um, and you get that over and over, like for every week you get a new tip. And so we open sourced that. It's now, you can submit your own tips now, you can upload videos, you can join a community there and we're gonna be growing that. That's still a work in progress. But I love working on communities with community participation. And sometimes you you don't always need a finished product. Um, For years I got stuck on, it needs to be perfect when you release. Mm. And over time I have learned that that's not the case. You know, you, you put out your minimal viable product and then you iterate and improve yeah. and then you improve with feedback. And, and honestly, that is community, right? That's how you build with community. Right. And no, I think I couldn't like stress on that concept of iteration. I think the mindset, uh, we have to, we have to think like product people, like even though we are building community, because like you said, when you build a community, by default, you want to target big, you know, chunks of people. Like it's not 10%, even like 100. Like it, it's definitely bigger than what you expect. But when you execute, you can't really like, you know, cover the whole ground. That's why I was very curious. How did, what was your approach of, you know, entering into the market and getting that attention? Because I think you made a great move of, honing on the content side, because I think that's, that's how we live and breathe right now as we, you know, go through the social era of different, different platforms. And so talk to me about one thing. Uh, You talked about community participation, right? And I like the way you said you build community through community participation. One of my biggest uh, questions for this podcast and again, I'm not judging the the book by the cover, but generally speaking, all the developers, most of the testers are not social, right? <laughs> they're, they're very, they're very much they're into their own zone. They code, they get the shit done, they move on. What did you do to make them come out of their comfort zone to participate and engage with others? I think that's actually, um, you know, before I really started working with developers and developer communities, that's how we portray developers, right? That's the, um, that's the stigma that exists about developers. They're like coding in their room, in a dark room by themselves. I actually find developers to be extremely social. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I've built communities for so many industries over my 17 years of, building communities, you know, for bankers, CFOs, arts and crafts, retailers, manufacturers, I mean, like all ed tech, my, 
my experience with developers is that it's actually very easy to get developers to talk and share. Um, you need to give them a platform, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is, again, you need to give them the space, access, right? Um, and you'd be surprised. We, we partnered with a lot of, because um, next on our roadmap is meetups. And I got my start in community and meetups, building mm-hmm. chapters of associations and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's heavy, that's heavy lifting, right? That's a lot mm-hmm. of work, especially when you build them all over the world. And I mean, that's, it's a ton of effort. Right. Um, as you're scaling, what I tried to do is partner. And so I partnered with, so far we've partnered with like Gitpod. We've partnered with the Node.js community. We're going to be partnering with like doing things with like Vue.js. So we are doing things with other communities and you'd be surprised they're extremely social, extremely active communities. And Mm -hmm. as we bring out people from our own, we're finding the same thing. They're actually Mm -hmm. very social. They want to interact. They're (laughs) passionate about their frameworks. They're passionate about the languages that they use to code. They're passionate. I mean, they will debate Java Mm -hmm. versus Python. I mean, it's it's (laughs) so... It's so great to see because they're right. very thriving communities, in my opinion. Right. No, no, yeah, true, true. I think I do see that point because they're very passionate because they have they're building stuff on a day to day basis, and they have something to share. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel, uh, but again, completely, you know, uh, maybe I'm more of like looking from the from a bird's eye view. So, question on. You mentioned a couple of times in this conversation, we were like 20 minutes down and you said many times about partners and what are some tactics that you want to share uh, when you, when community builders listening about going for partnerships is what do you offer? Like, how do you go from zero to one hmm. in that whole life cycle? Okay. I, I want to like partner with some X. What is something that I offer? Is it a proposal or Talk to me about like the semantics in, in everything that you went through. Uh, I don't want to make it sound so easy, but sometimes it's as simple as getting in someone's DMs and being <laughs> like, hey, love what the community is doing. We should totally partner on something. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. When should we do it? And just honestly, like anything, you just got to ask. And then what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They say no. Okay, fine. We'll move on to the next community, next person. It it might be hard finding who to reach out to, but thanks to tools like, I mean, we have LinkedIn, we have Twitter, everybody's got their social out there somewhere, especially community people are usually more active uh, than others. Um, And yeah, it just comes down to an ask. Mm -hmm. And I find that community builders have been so gracious and willing to help uh, each other. I have never encountered someone in the in the world of community who's like, I'm not going to help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if they can't take it on right now, it's I can't take it on right now, but sounds great in the future. And I've had that interaction and then actually plan something in the future because I'll follow up. So it's mm-hmm. just a little bit of persistence, the willingness to ask and um, let people surprise you. Uh, and, and then we always have swag on hand or anything mm-hmm. to say thank you and even when we had partners, you know, they'll send us swag. So I think it's just a wonderful thing to be able to combine and do some partnerships. Plus, 
it is a way to grow your own community. Um, you know, you, you graft a little bit, right, from each mm. other's communities. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because mm. at yeah, the end of the day, they're getting value. Right. Yeah. And there's value, visibility, and basically they're also kind of expanding their network, right? Mm -hmm. They tap into your community so that your community networks are uh, part of their uh, ecosystem. So quick, let's say it gets a little bit and I want to talk about the media presence. You're a podcaster, you've worked in somewhat like, you know, uh, in a TV network, so you get it. And given we are, the whole world is actually going towards media presence. Every, pretty much every B2B, B2C, you name it, D2C brands, everybody has a social media presence, right? Not just social media, but YouTube channels and whatnot. How do you think and how, what, how do you envision about media being a, may, playing a major role in community building? It's interesting because I've seen arguments about this and especially yeah. the, the way that I have handled my community, I've seen arguments against or, or saying that it's not community because mm. the difference between a member and a subscriber, right? Mm. Um, and to that, I would counter who cares. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it honestly has never bothered me. The fact yeah. that we're maybe building a following and maybe not in the traditional sense of a community. Cause at the end of the day, you know, that's what I was doing when you mentioned television, you know, I, I was in development for a short period of time and television mm -hmm. worked on, um, uh, worked at, uh, MTV networks for a few different networks there. And it's building stuff that people want to engage with and want to get value from and become passionate about. And, but I mean, does it sound familiar to you? Because that is to me, community building. Yeah. And even when I started in, in what would be my career, I wanted to go into radio. You know, I had a show in, in college and so I was doing this and it felt good. It felt natural. I loved it and I hated it at the same time because radio <laughs> at that time was not what I imagined it would be. I grew up on Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern and I wanted mm. a talk radio show and that's what I wanted. And mm -hmm. that was not what radio was becoming and radio right. then died <laughs> shortly after. And then it became podcasting. So now I get to do what I wanted to do. Um, and it's building an audience. Sure. But I think, if you can engage your audience, you can bring your audience into the show. And so as you do more, as you bring, as you bring more value to them, as you get more passionate listeners or followers, then you can have them contribute to the show. Ask them to ask a question. Hey, do you have anything that you want to ask us? Or what's the top five things that you learned from today's episode that you think we should cover in future episodes? There's so many. You can create a Patreon account and, and engage them in that way. You special episodes just for your, you know, your VIP listeners. So even those are communities. And um, I guess it's a different way to think about community. But at the end of the day, I think it's all the same. Absolutely. I think there is slight difference between, I would say, audience building versus community building. But like you said, you know, it's, if you go to details, everything is different. Like, you know, we can really make a big list of 
all the all differences between many things but but the but like you said if you interact create content and someone is responding to you that means there is a slight opportunity that you're creating right that all that is all that matters everything else how you do it you know it's all like you know it fades away eventually like 10 years down the line you have you've started all creating content and gathering audience but you become community who cares like you know it's all exactly. part of the it's all part of the game uh that's that's a great way of looking at media and think about getting... star trek oh right. you know they are very well known for having an extremely passionate community mm. of trekkies right right i i think it is possible for media to to i guess be in that community bubble because it is a way to engage an audience, engage a crowd, connect them on a like-minded, passionate, you know, a like-minded subject matter that they're passionate about. And I mean, that to me is community. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Take, take artists, for example, take Taylor Swift. She doesn't have like a Slack channel <laughs> yeah. or like a Slack workspace of her billion people you know, fans, right? But she has a community, right? If she's going through something, there are people supporting her, you know, encouraging her and whatnot. So I feel not getting into details is much more important when you play the long game. F know, fun fact details. about me, <laughs> so I'm going to share something I've never shared publicly. Yeah. Uh, when I was in, in uh, my freshman year of high school, or, or I guess it was uh, middle school, what was it? Yeah, high school, I was very active in a band's forums and so active that I eventually became a moderator of the forums and got more wow. involved and more involved. And so I was kind of community building back then, but that was for a band, right? right? So yeah, bands absolutely have communities. Yeah, absolutely. I think everything we do, if we are doing it, if we, any work that is going out of these four walls that involves others, there is a community. Mm -hmm. How do you name it? How do you define it? How do you measure it? That's all like, you know, it depends stage by stage, but that's great. I, I'm curious, what bands did you like moderate? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> this is the part I'm better. It was, uh, it was Weezer. Um, okay. But back then, Weezer was a little bit different <laughs> of a band, but that was a very long time ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Now that we're talking about your ultra personas like the band, band moderator and all that where did you your voice ended up as a, as a voice actor i mean not many places but like I, I was i was did a lot of work with some people on on um some sketch comedy shows and nice. um i did a, a fake trailer for a new um uh, American pie that had been coming out for someone. <laughs> I did, um, a walking tour of New York. I did an audio book. Wow. I did, uh, a whole bunch of stuff like that. Nice. Um, got to read for a McDonald's commercial, didn't get it, but <laughs> got to read for it. Uh, and some other work. So it was like more, more smaller work for VO. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, awesome. I, I loved it. It was just another way to do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think your everything counts, right? Like all these those experiences are adding up to you as a podcast right now. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. 
and uh talk about one of the interesting things i find it fascinating when it, whenever i research on dev communities is that i don't know for some reason there is this big camaraderie among developers right this there is this brotherhood there is this togetherness that they want to help each other for whatever stake stack overflow i see more uh brotherhood there than any any place else right like some of these reddit channels they're like especially developer channels they're like wow they help they want to help and they want to like come out go extra mile and what not so question to you is that how do you manage keeping up that spirit at sas mm-hmm. labs what do you what do you what what kind of values that you kind of embody and repeat to the team and to the community over and over again to keep up that high spirit that's a hard question i think it just comes down to modeling right it's the behavior we want modeled back to uh, you know we we model it and then they model it back to us um by putting on really engaging fun um events by participating in events that share um our values our beliefs um are a little more fun um and yeah i think that's how we do it i mean like again a lot of what we are doing right now is through content and mm-hmm. so it's having fun on our podcast for example you know we mm-hmm. the the podcast that we do i didn't want to do a typical q and a one on one i think that i i have done those shows and i love those shows the panel was a different format i just wanted to try something new and we brought on experts um who you know our own de- developer advocates or um or internal you know experts and it's just a chat it's just an you know a 37 minute long 45 minute long conversation about topics we love and we have fun we laugh and we make it interesting and i think that's so hard for some concepts in tech right to make interesting like continuous testing like okay we know the value of it right so when ticketmaster goes down and everybody can't get their taylor swift tickets <laughs> that was a te- like that's sometimes that's a testing issue you know but how but but we don't think of it in those terms and we don't talk about it in those terms but we can and then we can also put make have fun doing it you know make each other laugh and right. i think sometimes just having being able to put a smile on having a sense of humor in business is a good thing that so many people are afraid of um mm. and i guess my recommendation to other businesses is relax have mm. fun smile laugh people connect to you more because you're more down to earth you're not selling something to them you're just joining them in their conversation where they are. Mm. I yeah, that's something I learned, you know, over the years as well. Podcasts become better when they are conversations, you know. And people really so I think this is something I learned from Joe Rogan, right? Pretty pretty big podcaster. He never follows like a pattern. Every episode is different. Every episode is because it's every conversation just like every conversation is different. every guest bring something to the table and he hones on that more than anything else than a piece of paper with a bunch of questions which cleverly he unpacks as well right like take tim ferris man that guy is like a monster i love listening to him because he really like 
orchestrates the conversation in a way that the listeners stick to it right that's something as a podcasters like you know we 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 try to either copy steal and like replicate it so in your experience now that we're talking about podcast uh how do you like view that that medium hmm. into community building like you know how do you blend both of them it can be strategy you take the lead but i'm just like you know curious about that um yeah so podcasting i think is like how we were talking about media you know you're i do think of it as building a show mm-hmm. and i do think of it as i'm going to build an audience from that show and from that audience i'm going to create people you know i'm going to create a passionate base who wants to tune in and wants to hear mm-hmm. more from us and the more that we have that the better because first of all we're going to be authentic we're not going to change who we are we're going to be you know we're very honest we are down to earth and we are ourselves and we have fun conversations we have serious conversations we dive into topics that may be very technical sometimes we're completely not technical and we'll talk about people moving we'll talk about people's accents from wherever they are we'll talk about you know whatever it is uh wherever like you said it's kind of where wherever the the show that day takes us and to me as a listener i find that exciting um there is a place for extremely produced podcasts I, mm. you know we're not one of them and that's not my style because that's just not how i think and that's not how i direct myself and mm-hmm. so therefore i can't do that that's not me and i think part of creating a podcast right is is knowing yourself and knowing what you're good at like anything and just double downing double down on that and that's the direction that we took with the podcast um and i take to other podcasts too I, everywhere i go i think i put my i try to put my stamp on it this is going to be me i'm it's going to be I, i'm not changing who i am i'm not changing how i speak and i'm going to speak directly to you the listener i am going to just give you everything that i have and hopefully you enjoy it and if you don't that's okay like not everybody has to listen to the same thing there are so many podcasts out there and i think what makes them stand out are the ones that are authentic that are a little different we are all as human beings extremely different people so you know it's just like when you go to meet someone sometimes you hit it off and it's a great great relationship other times you're like this is probably someone I'm never going to talk to again and that's okay with me you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's just it's the same process i think you can't really please everybody right when, nah. when you're building an audience or a community there are there are some cases where you just can't see eye to eye with some set of people and that's okay like you know i always believe in this notion always serve the people who seek you mm-hmm. and literally ignore the people who are against you right that that, that is that is much better you know it's in a way so that- funny i used to have such a hard time with that earlier on, earlier on in my like community career i i don't know almost 20 years is a long time to do anything and mm-hmm. i love this industry like i came in, into it by accident but i early on it's very hard i think to understand that as building a community you're building it for a certain group of people now while those people may be diverse it's still around the same sort of 
commonality. Something's going to bring them together. But by doing that, you're sort of excluding another group. And I had a hard time because I didn't want to be exclusive. That word is disgusting to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But at the same time, communities kind of have to be a little bit of that. Not by putting up walls and saying, stay out. Obviously, those exist. but And that's not what we're looking to do. But in an, not in an elitist way, but in reality, when you create a community, you kind of are creating a little bit of exclusion there. Um, and I think that's okay because we should all have our pockets where we go and that's our, our, our hot pocket. That's our good place to go. You know, that's what makes us feel good, our safe space. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's important to understand the difference, you know, right. um, when you're building a community that you are not like creating this exclusive place. I don't know. Maybe that's, I, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit on that topic, but it was just no, hard no, for me to understand. No, you're right. I think it, 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 so the way I think is, it's not, you're being exclusive uh, I would flip the switch and think about I get a chance to meet like-minded people. And that's it. That's the end of that sentence. You know, I, I'm not thinking about the other group. Once you have that other set of people coming to your mind, you have this weird like comparisons or like, you know, uh, insecurities that you you kind of entertain, which deviates the focus on the set of group you want to focus. And so that's why I made my mind like, even when I create content on Twitter, right? I I tweet a lot. And I sometimes get this backlash from people saying, hey, that opinion is shitty. And quietly I tell to them, then don't see my tweet. (laughs) Just like, you know, scroll through. There are like tons of tweets that you can see, right? And some people, they just double down, support. They just go one extra mile. They slide into my DMs and say, wow, that's a great opinion. I feel the same way. They retweet and all that. Good. That set of people is what I want, right? So it 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 is, it is for your own peace. <laughs> and even when you build community, the thing I really uh, kind of try to balance is that if there is some person who doesn't ag- agree, it's better to like ask them politely to either leave or like find the people who they align with. That's Find simple. your community. Exactly. Yes. That's it. This is not yep. yours. Right. Just like I'm not part of, you know, some other. You can't really be part of every community, right? Then, you know, you'll exhaust yourself. So, uh, but yeah, great point that you mentioned. That that's that's a struggle. It's, it's an ongoing struggle that a lot of people go through on a day-to-day basis because it's, it's, it's there. You can't really like, you know, eliminate the other set. So it's it's also interesting with industries, right? And building community for a product, mm-hmm. right? You're competing against mm-hmm. other products or companies, right? right in your space. Right. But from a community perspective, you can't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And sure. this is a little bit of my like nonprofit association background. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's very important that competitors Mm -hmm. participate in their communities together. Mm. In some sense, that's why open source is so beautiful because competitors have to play nice 
right. uh, because they need to keep the lights on right. and they need these projects to exist. Right. And so I think it's really important and, and something that I, I try to emphasize as much as I can. You know, there's that saying, the rising tide lifts all boats. And mm-hmm. I think that's such an important phrase to constantly have in our minds as we are building mm-hmm. these communities in business and product. We need the industry to survive. And to right. do that, we need to be in this community together. We are all in this community. This is not ours. This is not theirs. This is ours. And how can we all contribute and improve and grow it? I think the uh, the piece that I want to add on top of what you said is, as a community builder, you basically have to for, completely forget and remove personal intentions, period. When you want to do something for others, it should be a universal intention that you put it outside. That's why I, I see competition as as a positive way that that makes us better. Same the way we challenge them to make something better that comes out of them, right? Whoever it is, right? Not just products, but just in general people, right? Creators compete with each other. Athletes compete with each other. So one person doing something will challenge the other person. They do something. So I treat it that way. And personal intentions are are the worst. If you're, as a listener, whoever it is like listening, if you have a personal intention to grow your business, which is good, not, not not saying that it's bad, but there should be a higher purpose in it, the thing you're building is bigger than yourself individually. So once you have that, once you practice that notion, I feel that's why I really admire developer communities is because they don't have ego. That's fascinating to me. Even though they're builders, they're building something from scratch, from nowhere. They're bringing this idea, this by coding. They have that egoless personality that they want to help other developers to build quality code or build quality products, right? Takes, that's why when I, so I, I come from a developer, not a developer, but a, a IT background because my parents forced me to like, you know, take IT in my college. Uh, I, I used to like code. And when I go to like Stack Overflow, this was like 10, 10 years ago. Man, those folks are, for one single question, there will be like 10 different approaches to, to solve that single problem. That is super fascinating to me, right? Because they're going above and beyond and to share their thinking, their execution with others, which is kind of an IP, right? So the egoless uh intention is I feel you know it's really important and I feel developers have that by nature you know at least definitely and and that goes back to your question about getting them to engage you don't have to push them they want to they want to help they want to figure out um these problems together um solve these problems uh you know at, at their core developers are builders and you can't build something by yourself Uh, you need the help of someone or you need the help of a community, right? It's kind of like that saying about raising a child, you know, you need, you need a village. village. It's that same concept. And and I I think that's, what's so beautiful about developers and developer Mm -hmm. communities. And that's something why I guess I I find myself now, you know, at the helm of, of, of creating something for developer communities, because it's just, 
I didn't realize how much I would love it. Mm. You know, I, I, building for so many different industries and I can't see myself, you know, my career has been all over the place. Like we right. kind of went, went through, I, I think I'm at my happiest in building communities right now for a developer community. And if you want to elaborate on that, no, on that notion, right? Like on your belief, what would you do something differently, you know, from the past, like go back to like 10 year old or like, you know, 10 year old. Oh gosh. We're really going no, no, back. I, I, when I say 10, not, <laughs> not 10 year old, but 10, 10 years, years in my old. career. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Go back to that. So I, so one fun thing I always treat, I don't treat my age as my actual age. So I, I quantify in a way that when I started something, that's my age. <laughs> Interesting. So I started my startups journey like four years ago. So I'm actually four years, four years old in that perspective. But yeah. So what would you do? Like That's something... really cool. I have never heard that, by the way. I, that's yeah, so fantastic. The, the reason is you, you lower a lot of expectations. If you, I'm a, I'm 33, 33 year old, right? And other 33 year olds who are in startups, man, if they spend 20 years in startups that they have so much upper hand than me, of course, because I just literally, I'm a baby. So that gives me that learning curve. Okay, I'm a baby. If I do a mistake, that's fine. You know, if I screw up something, that's fine. But anyway, going back to that question, 10, 10 years ago, if you were to do something different in communities, what would you do? And here's something that I learned along the way is that I would not be here where I am if I did not go the route that I did. No matter where it led to the screw ups, the whatever it was that I had to learn over that path, it shaped who I am today. Maybe that's a cop-out answer, but I, I really do actually believe that. And if I could change one thing, I spent a long time in one place for a period of time. I was, I was at one place for almost 10 years. Mm. I would never do that again in my career because mm. I think there are some, every time you change your employer or your industry or what industry you're serving as a community professional, right. I think you grow as an individual. I had no experience in any of the industries that I <laughs> built communities for. None. Right. right. And yet I became part of the community. I grew to love the people in the community. I still am very active or maintain converse, you know, maintain relationships within those communities. And it helps shape me. It it's it's grown me and what I'm able to do or or you know reference or mm -hmm. uh sometimes someone will ask a will bring up a question about the retail industry i'm like oh i know that i spent mm -hmm. 10 years in in the retail industry doing communities but still you know i know that industry really well um uh, so maybe that's yeah. the one thing i would change is not spending nearly as much time in one and you that's a that's a fascinating thing to hear since you're not part of an industry but you started building community what is the secret? Like when you go there, what is your framework looks like? Is it more from as a student that you go there? Like versus just, just unpack that for me. I learn from other people, their stories, their 
doing this, <laughs> having these conversations, I learn through stories and practical application of, um, you know, examples and that's how I learn. And so when I come to a new industry, I just dive right in. I don't hesitate. Mm. I meet as many people, as many of the members as I can. When I, when I got to sauce labs, I had our, our, um, senior dev advocate who has over a hundred thousand plus people in his following, uh, put out to his entire distribution list, my calendar link and mm -hmm. said, book 15 minutes on my calendar. Cause I really want to talk to you and learn all of your problems. Your right. what, what's going on with you. Just vent to me, tell me what's going on, you know, teach me the industry. Like, and I got so many calendar, uh, so many people booking on my calendar, right. uh, to the point where I had to like cut it off, but it was great because I right. had just like 15 minute, wonderful deep dives into these people, people's lives. There some deep concerns. People were crying on their zooms with me, like just really just passionate about what they do or not, or just saying, ah, I got into this because I don't know why, you know, like, no, so right. it really ran the gamut, and, yeah. but I really learned a lot. And then through our podcast and, and I do a podcast every step of the journey because each industry has some more to say, I think, and podcast right. is a great format for that. Um, and I learn from other people that way. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, I have like one last question that, yeah. that's kind of like a general, uh, hit, what are a few lessons that you want to pass to community builders who are not building developer communities, but they can learn from developer communities? Uh, I guess because I didn't always build developer communities, but I can just share some pearls of wisdom, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I hate saying like I could, I, it's hard for me to admit that I might have something to share. Uh, <laughs> oh, you have well, for sure. I can, I can, I can tell that for sure. Well, I, it's easy to get down on yourself when you're building communities because it's hard. Community building is hard. Yeah. Um, prioritize, come up with your own roadmap. Don't boil the ocean. Stay mm. singular focused. Achieve the little bits. It's, uh, there's that movie. Um, I forget the name, but it's like, uh, where they talk about baby steps. Um, mm. what about Bob? Uh, mm. if you've never seen that movie, watch that movie. It's a fantastic, fantastic mm. movie. But anyway, they talk about baby steps and it's really true in community. You need to do this through baby steps because mm. otherwise you can sink real quick. Mm. Uh, it's not for everybody. Um, right. I think most of the community builders who I have talked to, especially the ones who have been doing it like me as long as I have, there's like this. <laughs> passion that you can't explain. It's like, you've been doing it your whole life. You've always been sort of in this, in this mode, uh, and it's hard to turn it off and it can be exhausting. You can, you can get mentally exhausted from it pretty mm -hmm. quick. So don't boil the ocean, take time off when you need it, get help where you can and have fun. Awesome. I think, I think that's, that's probably the best way to end this episode. Uh, Jason, this has been blast. 
I actually I, I didn't expect that we go deep into may probably like some philosophical angle but we did I'm so glad that I love conversations that go like you know deep and any any closing thoughts before we we close it out No oh, sure thanks so much for having me on the show and and going deep is kind of my specialty so Awesome <laughs> thanks, yeah we should thanks. probably we should have more conversations then <laughs> <laughs> Sure I I love doing that Thanks awesome. so much I really appreciate the time No worries and thanks for all the listeners we appreciate your attention and time you're giving to us and stay tuned for more of these episodes that's what that's what I do I love to do to bring these conversations and squeeze as much as I can so that you don't have to like you know go through some struggles but thanks for tuning in appreciate you all and uh, that's it that's a wrap for this episode cheers <laughs>